Chapter Eight of the Flight of the Shadow. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Flight of the Shadow by George MacDonald. Chapter Eight. Thanatos and Zoe. I think it must have been soon after this that my uncle bought himself a horse. I know something of horses now, that is, if much riding and much love suffice to give a knowledge of them. And the horse which was a glory and a wonder to me then is a glory and a wonder to me still. He was a large, big-boned, and powerful, with less beauty but more grandeur than a thoroughbred, and full of a fiery gentleness. He was the very horse for Sir Philip Sidney. One day, after he had had him for several months, and had let no one saddle him but himself, therefore knew him perfectly, and knew that the horse knew his master, I happened to be in the yard as he mounted. The moment he was in the saddle, he bent down to me and held out his hand. "'Come with me, little one,' he said. Almost ere I knew, I was in the saddle before him. I grasped his hand, instinctively caught with my foot at his, and was astride the pommel. I will not say I sat very comfortably, but the memory of that day's delight will never leave me, not through all the secular to be. There must be a God to the world that could give any such delight as fell then to the share of one little girl. I think my uncle must soon after have got another saddle, for I have no recollection of any more discomfort. I remember only the delight of the motion of the horse under me. For after this I rode with him often and he taught me to ride as surely not many have been taught. When he saw me so at home in my seat as to require no support, he made me change my position and go behind him. And there I sat sideways on a cloth, like a lady of old time on a pillion. When I had got used to this, my uncle made me stand on the horse's broad back, holding on by his shoulders, and it was wonderful how soon and how unconsciously I accommodated myself to every motion of the strength that bore me, learning to keep my place by pure balance like a rope dancer. I had soon quite forgotten to hold by my uncle, and without the least support rode as comfortably and with as much confidence as any rider in a circus, though with a far less easy pace under me. When my uncle found me capable of this, he was much pleased, though a little nervous at times. Able now to ride his big horse anyway, he brought me one afternoon the loveliest of Shetland ponies, not very small. With the ordinary human distrust in good, I could hardly believe she was meant for me. She was a dappled grey, like the twilight of a morning after rain, my uncle said. He called her Zoe, which means life. His own horse he called Thanatos, which means death. Such as I understood it, thought it a terrible name to give a horse, for most people are so afraid of death that they regard his very name with awe. My uncle had a riding habit made for me, and after a week found I could give him no more trouble with my horsewomanship. At once I was at home on my new friend's back, with vistas of delight innumerable opening around me, and from that day my uncle seldom rode without me. When he went wandering, it was almost always on foot, and then, as before, he was always alone. The idea of offering to accompany him on such an occasion had never occurred to me. But one stormy autumn afternoon, most of my memories seem of the autumn, 
my uncle looked worse than usual when he went out and i felt i think for the first time a vague uneasiness about him perhaps i had been thinking of him more perhaps i had begun to wonder what the secret could be that made him so often seem unhappy anyhow this evening the desire awoke to be with him in his trouble whatever it was there was no curiosity in the feeling i think only the desire to serve him as i had never served him yet i had been as long as i could remember always at his beck or lightest call and now i wanted to come when needed without being called was it impossible a girl should do anything for a man in his trouble he a great man had helped a little girl out of the deepest despair could the little girl do nothing for the great man that the big people should do everything did not seem fair he had told me once that the world was held together by what every one could do that the others could not do there must be something i could do that he could not do the rain was coming down on the roof like the steady tramp of distant squadrons i was in the study therefore near the tiles and that was how the rain always sounded upon them tramp 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 came the whole army of things riding riding to befall my uncle and me tramp tramp came the troops of the future to take the citadel of the present i was not afraid of them neither sought to imagine myself afraid i had no picture in my mind of any evil that could assail me a little grove of black poplars under the gable window kept swaying their expostulations and moaning their entreaties the great rushing blasts of the wind through their rooted resistance made the music of the band that accompanied the march of the unknown i sat and listened with a vague conviction that something was being done somewhere it could not be that only the wind and the trees and the rain were in all that wailing and marching the powers of life and death must somewhere be at work and then rose before me the face of my uncle as he walked from the room haloed in a sorrowful stillness if only i could be with him if only i knew where to seek him wishing wishing i sat and listened to the rain and the wind suddenly i found myself on my feet making for the door i would not have ventured alone upon the moor in such a night but i should have zoe with me who knew all the ways of it had doubtless been used to bogs in her own country and her mother before her like a small elephant she would put out her little foot and tap and sound to see if the surface would bear her if the questionable spot was what it looked to her mistress or what she herself doubted it when she had once made up her mind in the negative no foolish attempt of mine could over persuade her could make her trust our weight on it a hair's breadth in a bog the greenest spots are the most dangerous and zoe knew it the matted roots might be afloat on a fathomless depth of water backed by my uncle she soon taught me to be as much afraid of those green spots as she was herself i had learned to trust her thoroughly i took my way to the stable with a hug and a kiss to martha as i passed her in the kitchen I got the cowboy to saddle Zoe, fearing I might not persuade one of the big men on such a night, and I was not quite able myself to tighten the girths properly. She had not been out all day, and when I mounted, she danced at the prospect of a gallop. I took with me the little lantern I went about the place with when there was no moon, and with this a light in my hand, we darted off at a tight-reined gallop into the wet, blowing night. 
What I was going for I did not know beyond being with my uncle so far was I from any fear that but for my shadowy uneasiness about him I should have been filled full of the wild joy of battle with the elements the first part of the way I had to cling to the saddle not otherwise could I keep my seat against the wind which blew so fiercely on me sideways that it threatened to blow me out of it I had not gone far before the saddle began to turn round with me I was slipping to the ground I pulled up dismounted undid the girths with difficulty set the saddle straight then pulled at every strap with all my might it was to no purpose I could not get another hole out of one of them I mounted and set off again but the moment a stronger blast came the saddle began to turn then I thought of something to try dismounting once more I got up on the off side the wind now pushed me on to the saddle freeing it from my leverage while I had besides the use of my legs against the wind so that we got on bravely my Zoe and I but alas my lantern was out and it was impossible to light it again so that I had now no arrow to shoot at random for my uncle's eye before long we reached a tolerable cart track which led across the waste to a village and the wind being now behind us I resumed the more comfortable seat in the saddle we were going at a good speed and had ridden as I judged about three miles when there came a great flash of lightning Not like any flash I had ever seen before it was neither the reflection of lightning below the horizon Nor the sudden zigzag blade the very idea of force without weight It was the burst of a ball-headed torrent of fire from a dark cloud like water sudden from a mountain's heart which went rushing down a rugged channel as if the cloud were indeed a mountain and the fire one of its cataracts its endurance was momentary but its moments might have been counted for it lasted appreciably longer than an ordinary flash revealing to my eyes what remains on my mind clear as the picture of some neighboring tree on the skin of one slain by lightning the torrent tumbled down the cloud and vanished but left with me the vision of a man plainly my uncle a few hundred yards from me on a gigantic gray horse which reared high with fright but for its size i could have testified before a magistrate that i had not only seen that horse in the stable as my pony was being saddled but had stroked and kissed him on the nose I conceived at once that his apparent size was an illusion caused by the suddenness and keenness of the light and that my uncle had come home before I had well reached the moor and had ridden out after me with a wild cry of delight I turned at once to leave the road and join him but the thunder that moment burst with a terrific bellow and swallowed my cry the same instant however came through it from the other side the voice of my uncle only a few yards away stay little one he shouted stay where you are i'll be with you in a moment i obeyed as ever and always without a thought i obeyed the slightest word of my uncle zoe and i stood as if never yet parted from chaos and the dark for zoe too loved his voice the wind rose suddenly from a lull to a great roar emptying a huge cloudful of rain upon us so that i heard no sound of my uncle's approach but presently out of the dark an arm was around me and my head was lying on my uncle's bosom and then the dark and the rain seemed the natural elements for love and confidence but uncle 
I murmured full of wonder which had had no time to take shape how is it he answered in a whisper that seemed to dread the ear of the wind lest it should hear him you saw did you I saw you upon death away there in the middle of the lightning I was going to you I don't know what to think my uncle and I often call the horse by his English name neither do I he returned with a strange half voice as if he were choking it must have been I don't know what there is a deep bog away just there it must be a lake by now yes uncle I might have remembered but how was I to think of that when I saw you there on dear old death too he's the last of horses to get into a bog he knows his own weight too well but why did you come out on such a night what possessed you little one in such a storm I begin to be afraid what next you may do I never do anything now that I think you would mind me doing I answered but if you will write out a little book of mays and may nots I will learn it by heart no no he returned we're not going back to the tables of the law you have a better law written in your own heart my child I will trust to that but tell me why you came out on such a night and as dark as pitch well, just because it was such a night uncle and you were out in it I answered ain't I your own little girl I hope you ain't sorry I came uncle I am glad and I shouldn't like ever to be glad at what makes you sorry what are you glad of that I came because I found you I came to look for you why did you come tonight more than any other night because I wanted so much to see you I thought I might be of use to you you are always of use to me but why did you think of it just tonight I don't know I am older than I was last night I replied he seemed to understand me and asked me no more questions all the time we had been standing still in the storm he took Zoe's head and turned it toward home the dear creature set out with slow leisurely step heedless apparently of storm and stable she knew who was by her side and he must set the pace as we went my uncle seemed lost in thought and no wonder for how could the sight we had seen be accounted for or what might it indicate many were the strange tales I had read and my conviction was that the vision belonged to the inexplicable it grew upon me that I had seen my uncle's double that he should see his own double would not in itself have much surprised me or indeed that I should see it but I had never read of another person seeing a double at the same time with the person doubled during the next few days I sought hard for some possible explanation of what had occurred but could find nothing parallel to it within the scope of my knowledge I tried Fata Morgana Mirage Parhelion and whatever I had learned of recognized illusion but in vain sought satisfaction or anything pointing in the direction of satisfaction I was compelled to leave the thing alone my uncle kept silence about it but seemed to brood more than usual I think he too was convinced that it must have another explanation than present science would afford him once I ventured to ask if he had come to any conclusion with a sad smile he answered I'm waiting little one there is much we have to wait for where would be the good of having your mind made up wrong it only stands in the way of getting it made up right by degrees the thing went into the distance and I ceased even speculating upon it but one little fact I may mention ere I leave it 
that just as I was reaching a state of quiet mental prorogation, I suddenly remembered that the moment after the flash, my Zoe, startled as she was, gave out a low whinny. I remember the quiver of it under me. She too must have seen her master's double. End of chapter eight.